Now let's determine how basis is calculated when property is acquired through a taxable sale or exchange. The original basis of property is generally its cost. Thus, in the case of a sale, the amount of cash paid or the purchase price determines basis. The rule is similar in the case of a taxable exchange. In that case, the cost of property acquired in such an exchange is the fair market value of property given in exchange for it plus any gain recognized. Let's look at an example. Taxpayer A acquires a building for $50,000 when the building had a fair market value of $100,000. She subsequently exchanges it for shares of stock owned by someone else, which would result in the recognition of gain or loss. The basis in the stock received by the taxpayer was $100,000. Her basis was derived from the fair market value of the property she gave up. The taxpayer also has a recognized capital gain of $50,000, $100,000 of fair market value less the cost basis of $50,000. Next, we'll discuss how basis is determined when property is acquired as payment for services rendered. In this case, where property is acquired in payment for services, the fair market value of the property received must be included in the recipient's gross income as compensation. The amount reported as compensation the fair market value of the property received then becomes the property's basis, which is then used for computing subsequent gain or loss. For example, if a taxpayer receives a new automobile worth $15,000 in return for services rendered to his employer, the $15,000 constitutes taxable compensation in the year it's received. Next, let's consider the determination of basis for property acquired through gift. The basis of such property generally depends on whether the taxpayer sells the property at a gain or loss, and the amount of basis for determining gain is generally found by reference to the donor's basis. Another example, we have a situation where a taxpayer purchases stock for $5,000. After it's appreciated in value to $9,000, it's given by taxpayer to his son. The son's basis in the stock is the same as father's, 5,000. This is known as substituted or carryover basis. By virtue of the carryover in basis, if the son were to sell the stock for 9,000, the gain of 4,000, remember the appreciation, is immediately realized and taxed to the son. However, in calculating the son's gain, the son may also increase the basis of the stock by the amount of any gift tax his father paid that, were, that was attributable to the appreciation of the property. In this case, the son's basis can be increased by the gift tax, if there's any, attributable to the 4000 of appreciation in the father's hands. A different rule applies for calculating basis in the event of a loss. Here, the taxpayer's basis for determining loss on property acquired by gift is either the donor's basis or the fair market value of the property at time of gift, whichever is lower. Let's now examine how basis is determined for property acquired as an inheritance. Special rules apply for property acquired by bequest, devise, or inheritance. The basis of such property is generally stepped up or stepped down to its fair market value on date of death. This stepped up or stepped down value be will become now the new basis in property 
in the hands of the beneficiary. For example, consider the case of an individual inheriting the sole asset of an estate, stock in General Motors, which is subsequently sold for $100,000. If the decedent's basis in the stock was $50,000 and the value on the date of decedent's death was $80,000, the heir has gain of $20,000, which represents the difference between the amount realized, $100,000, and the value at date of death, $80,000. Finally, let's look at the special basis rule that applies to the sales of publicly traded securities. If stocks, bonds, or other publicly traded securities are sold by a taxpayer and the taxpayer is unable to adequately identify the particular shares or bonds sold, then a first-in, first-out method of identification is used. Here, the oldest shares are presumed to be sold first. If the taxpayer, however, can identify the specific shares, the basis of those shares is used. When shares in a mutual fund are sold or redeemed, the taxpayer is permitted to use an average cost method for determining basis in lieu of either of the methods described above. 